it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Yes, that's right. It's time to listen to the only show that doesn't care about ratings because our sole purpose is to save souls. On purpose. Download more episodes at witnesstalkradio.org or via one of our syndication options. Have you ever come across a gospel presentation and begun to cringe at what you were hearing? Here, let me give you an example. And when Jesus stretched his hands out on the cross, he was saying, I love you this much. I love you so much it hurts. I love you so much I'd rather die than live without you. And those nails that went through the palms of Jesus went straight into the heart of God. The topic for this episode is the gospel. Specifically, how to share the gospel. There's a right way and a wrong way to do this. The wrong way puts the focus on people, but the right way has God as the centerpiece. Now, I've scoured the interwebs to find some of the worst gospel presentations to share with you today. But don't worry, there's going to be some good gospel presentations as well to give your head a break from all the times you'll be smacking it. I've decided to leave the creators of these clips anonymous so that maybe they can keep some shred of dignity. All clips today are used in accordance with the fair use law. But before we begin, let me share with you what the gospel is according to the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 starting in verse 1 says, Now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here's the important part right here. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. The gospel, or good news, is the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, in order for this information to make sense, we need to present it in a clear and biblical way. You're listening to Witness Radio. My child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. 
and it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child, and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken-hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my Son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been Father, and will always be Father. My question is: Will you be my child? I am waiting for you. If you're here today, tonight, and you don't know Christ, you can throw away everything in your home. You can go feed the poor for the rest of your life, and you'll still die and go to hell. Because God is a holy God, and He's just God. And to stand in the presence of God and have fellowship with Him, you have to have an absolutely perfect record from the moment you were born until the moment you die. You don't have that kind of record, neither do I. If you died and were judged based on your own merit, you would be found wanting. As a matter of fact, if you took all the best men on the face of the earth and added their virtue together and stood them before God, they would still be found wanting. For this reason, your sins had to be paid for. God is just. He cannot just forgive you. 
Before he can forgive you, justice must be satisfied. And the only way justice can be satisfied is through the death of the one who has broken God's law. You deserve to die and so do I. But God's son became a man, lived a perfect life that you could never live and then went to a cross. And on that cross, he bore the sins of his people and every bit of divine wrath of holy justice, of God's punishment toward evil, every bit of it that should be poured out on you and me was poured out on God's Son. God crushed His only begotten Son and His Son willingly submitted to being crushed that as a man, someone might die in your place. Jesus Christ died. He paid for every crime you've ever committed or will ever commit against God. He rose again from the dead and it was God's sign and seal that his death was accepted as payment for your sin. Now Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And you say, what must I do? I will not tell you, pray this little prayer and you'll be saved. But I will tell you this, repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You say, Brother Paul, how do I know if I've repented? Let me ask you a question. Has God worked in your heart in such a way that the sin you once loved, you now hate? And the God you once ignored, you now desire? Those are at least the first fruits of repentance. Now believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. His his arms are wide. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time. That testimony is given here tonight that Christ died for your sins and he rose again from the dead and you can be saved. But there will come a time right now. The love of God holds one hand up to heaven and restrains God's wrath. And another hand reaches out to you and pleads with you to come. But I want to warn you, one day, that one great obstacle of love will be removed and God will come and he will save his people. But those who have refused to come to love's call, those who have refused Christ, they will be judged. And it will be so terrifying on that day that the Bible says that the great captains and great men of the earth will cry out for the rocks to fall upon them to hide them from the wrath of the Lamb. But until that day, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, you can be saved. No one who ever came to Christ was ever cast out. No one. Can it be a fire conference? That isn't dopey and heretical, you betcha. In New Jersey, no less, Tom's River specifically. Check out Jersey Fire, who is going to be at this great evangelistic equipping conference. None other than Dan Phillips from Pyromaniacs, Carl Kirby Jr., Andrew Rappaport, all equipping you at the great Jersey Fire conference. Find out more now at jerseyfire.org. Let me ask you an important question. If your heart stopped beating in the next few minutes, are you at peace with God? Do you know where you'd spend eternity? If not, I would love to have the opportunity to pray with you. I'm not here to condemn anybody, but rather to help you find a new beginning. And I know that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why don't you pray with me today? Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. 
Come into my heart. Wash me clean. I make you my Lord and Savior. Friend, if you prayed that simple prayer, we believe you got born again. The scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's just what you did. I encourage you to keep God first place in your life. Get a Bible. Read it every day. You can start in the Gospels, maybe the Gospel of John. And then learn to pray. Prayer is simply talking to God. You don't have to have some kind of big formal, long words. Just talk to God like you'd talk to a friend. I believe today is going to be a new beginning in your life. Write it down in your Bible. It's going to be a new day of victory for you. Repentance because you understand that you are a sinner, a wretched one in both nature and deed, and that you deserve that which a holy and righteous God must give to those who sin, and that is His wrath and eternal punishment. That's repentance. Repentance is recognizing that. Repentance is self-abhorrency, as the confession says. Repentance is being so sick of yourself that you can't stand yourself, and you want to get away from yourself because you recognize that everything in you is filthy and wretched and does not deserve to be in the presence of a holy God. And you turn from that and cry out to the only one who can make you any different. That's repentance. Repentance and faith. Faith in what? Faith in the Jesus of the Scriptures. Faith in the God-man. Faith in the one who was born of a virgin. Faith in the one who performed miracles. Faith in the one who died on a cross. Faith in the one who rose again on the third day. Faith in the one who's coming again to judge the living and the dead. Faith in the only one who's an answer to the sin problem from which you are in repentance. Faith in that one. Faith in Him alone, in His completed work. Not His work and, but His work alone. That's faith. That's faith. Not just the name, but the person and work of Jesus Christ. When you grasp repentance like that, and when you grasp faith like that, then you understand the narrow road, the narrow gate, the hard road. Only then. If you think it's easy, and that you can continue to be who you are, and that somehow, because you say a few words, that makes you okay with God... If you think that because you are comparatively less wicked than the people around you and that somehow that means you're worthy of heaven, if you think that because somehow you have not been as awful and as wicked as the Hitlers of the world and the Mansons of the world and that somehow that means that God's going to grade on a curve, then you have not found the narrow gate. Repent. Place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Cry out to Him that He might save you and forgive you of your sins. Enter the narrow gate. Walk the hard road. The one with few companions. Because then and only then will you find life. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people rast and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and say the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few? At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel, not only in the way that they live their lives, 
how to speak to the campus community about the gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. Christian Collegiate Network, changeyourcampus.com. So what are the necessary components of a solid gospel presentation? Well, I shouldn't tell you since I'll be going over that during the Martireo Academy on June 27th. Tickets available at witnesstalkradio.org. But since I'm a nice guy and I want you to be equipped, I'll tell you. The biblical principle of sharing the gospel is law to the proud and grace to the humble. Use the law of God, the Ten Commandments, to show people their need for a Savior. Don't just tell someone they're a sinner. Explain what sin is according to the Bible. The law stops their mouth, humbles the person, and that means that they're ready to hear about grace. When sharing the gospel with others, make sure that you touch on sin, judgment, hell, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Christ, repentance, and trusting in Jesus. If you've listened to previous episodes, you'll hear these things mentioned in every conversation on the street. When we were kids, we all learned how to play tic-tac-toe, right? It's a simple game that anyone can master in a few tries. What happens when you make tic-tac-toe more complicated than it is? You fail. Why? Because tic-tac-toe is simple. Sharing our faith is the same way. Jesus invested in the disciples. He told them to go out and make more disciples. Early Christians did this by investing in the lives of the people around them. And that's sort of how this works. Both tic-tac-toe and sharing Jesus is simple. When we make it more complicated than that, we fail. So how does this work? Well, let's learn by doing. This is Steve. He's lived at his house at 4th and Elm for about seven years. He knows most of his neighbors' names, but only talks to a few of them. Steve wants to invest in his neighbors so that hopefully he can introduce them to Jesus. Steve would start out by drawing a simple tic-tac-toe board on a piece of paper. Then he draws his house in the middle. That's your free square. Next, Steve thinks of neighbors immediately around him and writes in the names where their houses are. If he doesn't know the name, that's okay. Just leave it blank. Steve's first goal is to fill in all the spaces around his house. So Steve needs to get out and meet his neighbors. How did he do it? Well, Steve owns a snowblower, and when it snowed, he went and cleared all the sidewalks around his house, then went to every front door, knocked, and introduced himself. Folks were so happy that he cleared their walk that they wanted to talk. A lot. You may not have a nice snowblower, but you can always knock on a door and introduce yourself. Maybe hand out a card with your name and phone number so if people need help, they could call you. A plate of cookies is a great way to say hello. Maybe simply offer to go over and help someone with their yard. So Steve got all his spaces filled in. Steve's second step was to find out one thing he could be praying for for each house. Now, because he had made such a great initial impression, people were happy to share. The best part about this is that one week later, he had a reason to follow up. The third step is to find out where each neighbor is in relation to Jesus. Do they know Jesus? 
Have they been turned off to church? Are they lapsed Buddhists? Find out where each neighbor is spiritually. Then use that as a springboard for simple conversations. The more Steve prayed for his neighbors, the more he grew a heart for them. When Steve's neighbors saw that he genuinely cared about them, they began to share more and more. Before Steve knew it, he saw his neighbors like Jesus sees them, with compassion. Eventually, Steve was able to introduce some of his neighbors, Frank and Lisa, to Jesus. That's the ultimate goal of this tool, that you can simply and clearly learn about your neighbors, know them, and love them like Jesus. As simple as that. Meet Mr. Nice Guy. You think you're nice? This guy is really nice. Well, I try to do what's right. He's so nice that if good people get to heaven, he'll be the first in line. Ah, shucks. Mr. Nice Guy, have you kept the Ten Commandments? Pretty much. Do you mind if we take a look at them and maybe see how nice you really are? Uh, okay. Great. Here's one. You shall not lie. Mr. Nice Guy, have you ever told a lie? Well, yeah. Who hasn't? What do you call somebody who tells lies? A liar. All right. How about another commandment? You shall not steal. Have you ever stolen anything, even once? Nope. But you just told me you're a liar. Well, I, I did steal some candy once when I was a kid. And what do you call someone who steals? A thief. All right, let's try another one. You shall not commit adultery. Oh, that's easy. I'd never cheat on my wife. Hi, handsome. Oh, baby! <clears throat> Jesus said, if you even look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Oh, uh, right. One more. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Have you ever used God's name to curse? Oh, my... That, Mr. Nice Guy, is called blasphemy. God gave you life and breath and everything you have, and you've dragged his name through the dirt. So, by your own admission, you're a liar, a thief, a blasphemer, and an adulterer at heart. And that's just four of the Ten Commandments. Okay, okay, so I'm not perfect. Well, actually, it's worse than that. Suppose we could put a chip in your brain that would record all your private thoughts for an entire week and then play those thoughts on a giant movie screen for all your friends and family to see. That would be embarrassing. Yeah, I know. The Bible says God knows everything, even the secret thoughts of your heart. Well, compared to some people, I'm a saint. Yeah, that's true. But the standard is God's law, not other people. Besides, even if you sin just five times a day in one year, that's 1,825 sins. And if you live to be 70 years old, you'll have broken God's law over 127,000 times. You'll have to answer for every sin on Judgment Day when the Bible says each of us will give an account of himself to God. But God will forgive me, right? Well, let's try that in court. Hey, look, I know I keep breaking the law, but hey, catch up. Well, you know, just let it slide. Only a corrupt judge would buy that. A good judge would say, 
Justice demands that you pay for your crimes. God's not a corrupt judge. He's a holy, righteous judge. He hates sin. Jesus warned that on Judgment Day, everyone who had sinned against God would justly end up in a terrible place called hell. And there will be no escape for all eternity. Uh, Well, then how can anybody get to heaven? There's only one way. God loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to live a perfect life. He never sinned, not even once. Then Jesus offered to take the punishment for guilty sinners. He was whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross and died so that justice would be served and sinners could go free. Then Jesus rose from the grave and defeated death. You can't earn eternal life. It's God's gift to everyone who will humble themselves and come to Jesus. He'll forgive you, wash you clean, and give you a new heart with new desires. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So stop living for yourself. Turn from your sins and come to Jesus. Then read your Bible and obey it. Find a good church to help you grow. And then go out and tell other people the good news. Do you ever wonder how you got here? Now I'm not talking about the stork. I'm talking about this big blue planet called Earth. And what are you doing here anyway? I mean, look around. There's a lot of people on this planet, and none of them is exactly like you. You're special. That's the way God made you. You know, God loves you very much, and He has a special plan for your life. Let's take a closer look. First, there's heaven. That's where God and Jesus live. Heaven is a perfect place where no bad things ever happen. Now, over here is Earth. There you are again. Hello. I think I can see your house from here. But our world is not perfect like heaven. And that's because of sin. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, what is sin? That's doing something or thinking something that God does not like. And that Bible verse tells us that every one of us have done bad things or sin. So what does God think about sin? He does not like it. And your sin pushes you away from God. Also, because of the sin in your life, you cannot go to heaven the way you are. But you know what? God still loves you very much. God doesn't want you to be separated from Him. The Bible says, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what did God do? He sent his son Jesus to us. Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and died on the cross. He took the punishment for our sins. We deserve to die and never get to go to heaven. But Jesus died to make a way for us to go to heaven. Not only did he die, he came back to life three days later. Also, we could be in heaven with him. But do you know what? Even though God did all of that, not everyone is going to heaven. Do you know why? God has given to us his eternal life. But if you just know about the gift, that's not enough. We must each accept this gift on our own. So there it is. God's special plan for you. That you receive his gift of eternal life. That is given to you by his son, Jesus. The Bible says, yet all who receive Jesus... To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God.
Are you good enough to go to heaven? Let's see. Have you lied, stolen, blasphemed, or looked with lust, which God sees as adultery? If you have, then you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterer at heart. And if you are guilty, you will end up in hell. But God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and defeat death. You broke God's law, but Jesus paid your fine. God can now legally dismiss your case. Repent, trust in Jesus, and God will give you everlasting life. NeedGod.com Cannibalism is okay as long as you're not actually hurting somebody. Wouldn't eating someone hurt them? I'm trying to do the best I can. There's only one way to have your sins forgiven. As born-again Christians, part of our duty is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or have never witnessed before, Witness Radio has something for you. Tune in next time to strengthen your faith and learn how to defend it. Go to witnesstalkradio.org. That's witnesstalkradio.org. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Don't forget to register for the Martyreo Academy on June 27th. Tickets are only $10 until the end of the month, so get yours before we sell out. Register at witnesstalkradio.org. Until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share your faith. May God bless you. Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.